Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Dawn, for the songs. So many opportunities to help out. God places them before us. So many people to pray for. And uh, as children of God, and if we have the love of God in our hearts, there's opportunities everywhere. Open up our eyes and our hearts to these. We always want to see at the end of all this food back here or the notebooks and pencils in the cry room, people, people. That's what it's about. Not about the food, not about the notebooks. It's about the people that need them and need to use them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. 1 Corinthians 15. If you're like me, you hate to waste things. Anybody love to waste things? Around the house, you're turning the lights off. Turning off the television when you leave the room, maybe. Eating the leftovers. How many eat the leftovers? Yeah, there you go. You want to waste that food. Sometimes the leftovers are better than the first meal, you know. It just tastes better. We hate to waste money, don't we? You get ripped off by that uh, cheap bargain, that TV ad, you know. It just looks so good, you know, and you, you bought those left-handed potholders, and it's like, <laughs> and the snow tires for your lawnmower. Like, man, what was I thinking, you know? You got ripped off. And then time. You ever felt like you wasted an afternoon? Sometime you're on the phone with somebody trying to get something straightened out and around and around and back and forth. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. We've, I was thinking about this, and we've had generations. You know, there was an, there's an older generation, and there are still some of those folks left who went through the Depression and World War II, and those were the parents of some of us, many of us. And you heard the stories how they scrimped and saved. And uh, they had to uh, pinch the pennies, and there were rations during World War II. You know, they had the fake coffee and uh, so forth. The gasoline was rationed. And uh, I remember, uh, I think it was Jim Day telling me a story about a, one of the doctors over at the hospital came from uh, overseas, from a poor country, and he had a poor background. And he, uh, he had a piece of paper. I don't think it was even a notebook paper. It was like a, some kind of a little flyer or something. And that's, he kept his notes on that little piece of paper until that was all filled up. He wouldn't even buy a notepad that he was so concerned about wasting money and buying paper. 
So, uh, you know, people come from different generations and different situations. They don't want to waste. And then I was thinking, you know, then came along the next generation after them, and I, I don't know if they were wasteful, but I call it the throwaway generation, where you, you had the plastic, everything was plastic or paper, and you just, everything, boy, this is fun, this is good. You don't have to wash it, just throw it away, throw it in the trash. We had the big gas-guzzling V8 engines, right? Man, just make it bigger and faster. I was watching the, one of those auctions the other day, a 58 Cadillac. I mean, I don't think you could have fit that on half this block. Uh, it had the doors that opened like this. What kind of doors are those? Suicide, is that what they call them? I tell you, that would have been nice to cruise in, but... You'd have probably had to stop at the gas station on every other corner, you know, to fill up. Anyway, so, but now, you know, we're all preserving resources, recycling, uh, save this and save that, energy efficient, sometimes to a fault, I think, you know, because we're not using our, our, uh, our wisdom on some of these things. But, but anyway, talking about waste. Well, we can waste spiritual things. You ever think about that? We can waste spiritual things. I would venture to say everybody here has got one of these in their home, a Bible. You might have two or three. Maybe you have a half of them. Maybe you've got a shelf full of them like I do. How many of us read them and use them every day? And the words in here, the truths in here go to waste. This book goes to waste. It's not used. Like we were talking prayer. We have the opportunity to pray. We can pray anytime, anywhere. This is one of the things we always tell the kids at Kids Zone. Anytime, anywhere, anything. Pray. You can pray to God. How many of us, we Christians, do not do that? We waste the opportunity of prayer. Serious things. We're going to talk about wasting the cross today. Maybe you've never thought about it. The cross is arguably the most valuable gift God has given to mankind. Other than life itself, we might say. The cross of Christ Jesus. We waste it. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at the cross and the gospel first of all. I want to tie them together. And then we're going to see why, just two or three scriptures, why it's so valuable. And then we're going to see how we waste it. Paul says here, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And the point we want to make here is, he died for our sins, and of course we know that he died on the cross. The cross is the centerpiece of the gospel. It's the core 
of the gospel. That here was Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, raised up as a sacrifice for us. We who had sinned, we who had rebelled against God, we had gone our own way and we had no way to come back. The barrier had been erected, the sin barrier, and it could not be removed. And God, because he loved us, John 3.16, sent his Son in the likeness of sinful man, in the likeness of flesh, to redeem us, to ransom us, as we just sang in the song, to be our Redeemer, to provide the forgiveness and reconciliation we needed. Jesus' death was by crucifixion. It was on a Roman cross. The Romans had perfected the crucifixion event, the crucifixion execution. They had gotten it from the Persians and they had refined it to where it was an excruciatingly horrible way to die. We often focus upon the suffering, but the main point of the cross, and it all, it all fits together, but the main point of the cross is the fact that Jesus was hanged on the cross for our sin. That's why he was there, for our sins. He was crucified for our sins. And that makes it the good news, you see. Because that was a sacrifice that was pleasing and acceptable to his heavenly Father, to our God, so that our sins might be removed, so that we might be free from sin. Let's go to 1 Peter 2. What makes the cross so valuable? We've already opened that door here talking about the forgiveness of sin. And it did allow for the freedom from sin. 1 Peter 2.24 And he himself, meaning Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That's what was happening there. You see? Yes, he suffered. But it's about him bearing our sins in his body while all that was going on. He was the propitiation, the sacrifice for us. I don't know how that works. I'll, I'll, I'll just exp- say that. Spiritually speaking, through the Holy Spirit, God, the way God looked at it, that he was bearing our sins in his body, that's what happened. There's an outcome here. So that, he did that, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Some people just want forgiven and then they want to walk away. You know, as we said, they want the fire insurance. Oh, just have me baptized, let me, let me be forgiven and I'll just walk away. No, the purpose is we die to sin and then we live a righteous life, a life that is pleasing to God. For by his wounds you were healed. That takes me back to Isaiah 53. And I want us to look at this. 
Verse 5. Of course, the whole section, actually going back to chapter 52, 13, is about the suffering servant. And uh, if you read that, and I encourage you to read it every once in a while, it just strikes you in the heart that this is our Savior and this is what was happening to him. But verse 5 says, He was pierced through for our transgression. It's because of what you and I did. He was pierced. He was crushed for our iniquity. The chastening for our well-being or peace fell upon him. So that we could have peace and peace with God, he was chastened. And by his scourging, we are healed. Jesus received the punishment so we could be free. Verse 12, Therefore I will lot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death, and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. There's that idea again. He bore our sins in his body. That's what was happening on the cross. This was God's way to provide forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, friends and neighbors, there is no other way for anybody to have forgiveness of sin with God, save through the cross of Christ. It's not possible. That's what God established. His son is a sacrifice for sin. If you turn your back on him, you walk away from the cross, you cannot have forgiveness. It's not possible. That makes the cross so valuable. Our second thought from Galatians chapter 6. The cross provides freedom from the power of the world. Maybe you never thought about that. Paul was very much aware of it. Look what he says. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The world has its charms, its attractions. It has a great drawing power. The world, of course, is the domain of Satan, the evil one. He wants to bring us down. He wants to deceive us. He's so powerful uh, in his deceptions, so powerful in his deceptions that people don't even realize they're deceived. That's so, what's a, such a terrible thing about being deceived by Satan. You don't even know it. You don't even know it. Here's where you need to find out if you're deceived or not. Right here. Or have some good Christian brother or sister tell you. We're all at one time under the grips of the world, under the control of Satan. 
No one can get out of the control of the world by themselves. It's just not possible. But Paul says, through the cross, I can be free. You can set me free. He says, I have been crucified to the world, and the world has been crucified to me. In Jesus Christ, when I die with him, Romans chapter 6, I don't have that on our list. Romans chapter 6, the first 10 verses, take it home and read it. I die with him in the waters of baptism. That is the same as being a part of his death, being crucified with Christ, and we raise to a new life. That's how Paul was crucified to the world. That's how Christians are crucified to the world today. When that old man dies in the waters of baptism and we are freed from sin and from the world. And we have to see it that way. We have to see that we are freed from the world, that the world is dangerous, that the world will lure us away from Christ, that the world will kill us unless we're free. We cannot be attracted to the world. Without the cross, there's no freedom from the world. It's not possible. What did Jesus say in one place? He says, be at peace. I have overcome the world, didn't he? He says, I've overcome it. That many overcame all its deceptions, its lies, its powers, its evil. He overcame it. In his body, when he lived, he lived a perfect life, and then he offered himself up so that we might have a part in his life as well. All right, our third thought, this is from Ephesians 2. Through the cross, we receive reconciliation with God and fellow sinners, thus bringing peace. Ephesians 2.13 But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. When you see the blood, see the death of Christ, see the cross. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. The both groups he's talking about here are Jew and Gentile. Those who were God's people and those who were not. He's made them into one. He broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. That's the law of Moses, the old covenant. That was removed. He kept it. He fulfilled it. It was removed. So that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. Now in the church... We read this in other places. There's not Jew and Gentile. Not anymore. Just Christian. Just saved. Just saints. We don't look at the background, the culture, the color of the skin, the ancestry. Doesn't matter. Has nothing to do with Christianity, being a Christian. One man, one person in Christ. And might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. You see? The cross, again, being that which removed the barrier of sin. 
All had sinned, both Jew and Gentile. Paul writes extensively on that in Romans. No one was free from sin. By it, having put to death the enmity. So much happening in the cross. The cross is... What can I say? It's invaluable. You can't put a price on it. Jesus Christ, the gift of God, the Father to the world. And we could go on with some other things that that have to do with the perfect Lamb of God and His sacrifice. But only through Christ is reconciliation with God possible. The barrier of sin is removed. We can be at one with God. We can be at peace. Jesus prayed in John 17, I want them to be one, Father, as you are in me and I in you. I want us all to be one together. The unity, that can only happen in Jesus Christ and it only happens through the cross. It cannot happen outside of the cross. So there's just a, a few thoughts about how valuable the cross is. You know, you've heard lessons on the cross before and the gift of God. So how is it possible to waste this? All of this goodness and the blessings that come through Jesus Christ and his cross. 1 Corinthians 1. We can waste the cross by causing people to put their faith in something other than Jesus and him crucified. This is something we really have to be careful about. It's at the cross of Christ and his death. That is what saves us. He is the one we're to have the faith in and the trust in, in what he did, his righteous life, his gift, his sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 1.17, for an example. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul uses two examples here of how we could make the cross void or waste it. Okay? And the first one is baptism. Christ did not send me to baptize. A lot of people jump on that and say, look, that baptism, you don't need to be baptized. Well, that's not what he's saying. It's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, I, you know, I could go out and preach. You need to be baptized. You need to be baptized. And maybe you might have heard a lot of preachers stand up and say, you need to be baptized. Okay, that's, I understand that. But if we're just dipping people in water and they have not first heard of the cross of Jesus Christ and they're not doing it because they are being immersed into Jesus Christ, into his death, that immersion in water is worthless. It's meaningless. It's nothing. We don't preach baptism. Baptism is a response, part of the response to the cross of Jesus Christ. And if we're focused on that, we have wasted the cross because if you're just, hey, I've been baptized, I've been baptized, sorry. That's not where your salvation is. It's in Christ Jesus through his cross. What else does he say? Cleverness of speech, fine-sounding words. 
You might have heard some of these preachers on TV. They can, they can practically mesmerize you with their, with their garble, with their talk. Smooth and slick and slimy. Oh, I love to hear him talk. He's so sweet. What's he say? I don't know. You know? Is he preaching the cross? Is he preaching the cross of Christ? Like Paul says here, it's not a popular message. It wasn't popular in the first century. And I'll tell you what, it's not a popular message today. Jesus Christ and him crucify, how foolish is that? Well, we can just all get along without that. Everybody just be friends and be brothers. You probably even heard this from politicians' mouths. Folks, that's meaningless stuff. It has nothing to do with being saved, being pleasing to God. It doesn't save a person. It's the cross of Christ. So I'm focused on any of these other things. You know, good works. Your own right, I mentioned good works. You know, we have opportunities. Okay, they don't save you. Live a righteous life. Strive to be righteous. Yeah, you should, but that's not going to save you. We always have to come back, as we say, to square one. The bottom line is Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is the one that saves us through his cross, through his blood, through his death. That's the message. If you don't want to follow this Jesus, who also says to you, take up your cross, well, then I'm sorry. Because I can't change the message. We dare not change the message. Because any other message will not save you. It will not save you. And so if we change the message, guess what? We've wasted the cross. We wasted it. Our second thought from Philippians 3. As an individual, we waste the cross by rejecting the message, by rejecting it. Philippians 3.18. For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite or belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. A bitter and terrible picture of what Paul says the enemies of the cross of Christ. They're not focused on the cross, on sacrifice, on Jesus' sacrifice, on him, but on their appetites, what they want to do. Their flesh, Paul writes a lot about the flesh. That's what they follow. The things of the world. Earthly things. We just talked about the world. That's their focus. That's what they want. That's where they put their trust. And so when that is our God, and that is our trust, and that is our love, and we reject the cross, we've wasted it. We've thrown it away. We've said, the cross of Christ doesn't matter to me. Right? Doesn't matter. This matters more. That matters more. He matters more. She matters more. I don't want the cross. We've wasted it. What a terrible thing. 
a day of judgment to stand before our Heavenly Father. And he said, you, you wasted my son's death. You wouldn't listen. You didn't see my love. My arms outstretched. Lastly, from 1 Peter 2, we waste the cross by not telling others its message. This was in one of our songs, Don Let Us In. In 1 Corinthians 9.16, Paul says, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. That's not on your little list. Now you say, well, Paul is an apostle. He's chosen. He's a preacher. Yeah, that's right. But aren't we all proclaimers? What's good and right? I think we are. First Peter 2. Writing to the church, writing to Christians, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Some translations have there a peculiar people. That's a blessing. If you're a Christian, look, look at what you've got there and how God sees you. Maybe it's because we don't realize what we've got that we don't tell other people about it. But then he says, so that you made all those things, chosen race, holy nation, royal priesthood, so that there's a purpose. You may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, the Jews used to be God's people. Not anymore. Now it's you, Christian. Now it's you. You have the opportunity now to tell how great it is to be a servant of Christ Jesus and what he has done for you in your life. That's what Peter's talking about. For you once were not a people, you see, scattered hither and yon and from all different backgrounds and here and there and every race under heaven, every language. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We realize how great that mercy is through the cross. But only when we on that day again, stand before God and you're in Christ. He'll say, well done. Enter in. As we had the lesson not too long ago, here's your crown. You ran the race well because we're in Christ. We trusted in Christ. We looked to Christ. We proclaimed Christ. We lived Christ. We tell others about our good fishing hole, don't we? Yeah, I caught some bass out there. A nice vacation spot. Or a good doctor you finally found. Or a nice hand cream. 
or you got a real deal on a refrigerator here or a power saw there or a set of dishes on QVC. We'll talk about all that stuff, how great it is. But why do we hesitate to tell the greatest good news of the cross of Christ? And when we don't, we waste it. We waste it. Don't waste the cross. Don't waste the greatest gift of God to mankind. Don't devalue it. Don't point to something else and say, this is more important. This is what you need to do. This is... No, you start with the cross and you stay with the cross. Everything starts with the cross, it goes out, but it all comes back to the cross because it all comes back to Jesus. When you read the Word of God, you have to see that. Whether he's talking about how to live, how to worship, it all comes back to Jesus anyway. You can't escape that. And God had designed it that way. If you're not a Christian, don't waste the cross. Don't reject it. Don't throw it away. See it as the greatest gift God has given to you. And if you are a Christian, tell somebody else about the greatest gift. God will help you. I promise he will, because he said so. He's told us to do it. Yeah, maybe you'll fumble and bumble a little bit, But you know, if your heart's in it, and you really believe it, you really love him, you really see the cross being the greatest gift for forgiveness and reconciliation and hope and a future, you know what? God will bless your tongue. He'll bless your heart. And you'll be able to tell what needs to be said. If you want to respond this morning in any way, please come while we stand and sing.